This is the MLW Radio Network. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? It's your boy, Blackheart, the head honcho off the Top Roast Podcast. If you love independent and professional wrestling and like all the juicy gossip of the wrestling industry, then look no further than here, OTTR Headquarters. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitch, and Facebook groups, and whatever that you get your podcast from with our, with our latest Last Week of Wrestling, After Darts, Under Boss's Hard Taste, and now a new upcoming trivia game show, Wrestling Every, coming soon. So if you like what you've seen, you love professional wrestling, you love independent wrestling, you love everything about wrestling just yourself, give us a tune. You know, you would not regret it. Blackheart out. Everyone knows a lot of things can change in the span of 10 years. But when it comes to professional wrestling podcasting, one thing is still guaranteed. The Shining Wizards is the only place to get all the latest wrestling news, interviews with the greatest guests, and of course, tons of laughs in discussing the world of wrestling. The show is still available on Monday nights at 7 p.m. East on RantDMRadio.com and Rant Entertainment Media on the TuneIn app. And it's still available on all podcasting platforms. To check us out, head over to ShiningWizards.com where it's still wrestling talk and talk about wrestling. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right. Yeah, yeah the mother, same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared a room. Shared a room. For we right? shared a room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go we? way back, mate. Yeah. yeah, we should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do. We do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah. Well, what do we do? Well, we cover all different things in the world of pop culture. We're talking about comic books, we're talking about professional wrestling, and we're talking about movies. Go back and watch classic retro wrestling events, the likes of WWE, WCW, and if you do like that, you can check us out on Apple iTunes, also on Podbean, Anchor, and on Podknife. Also check us out on Twitter, at The Broadcast. That's B-R-O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, the ending. Hey, it's all right. Good on you. Yeah. Instagram also at the Broadcast Podcast. Remember, we don't spell it with a C. We spell it with a K. Sorry, mate. Take it easy. Welcome to another episode of the Front Row Material Brand. As you know, my name is Mike Freeland. I always get to do some incredible interviews with people. I get to talk to people in the wrestling industry, but I love to sit down with wrestlers and I love to get their input on not only the business, but life itself and hopefully allow you to get to know them a little bit better as well. My guest tonight is an international star and I, I want to make sure I emphasize that. This individual has wrestled all over the world, incredibly technically sound, has a incredible package when it comes to the performance level as well and he loves professional wrestling and you can tell by the way he conducts himself and uh, it is an honor and a privilege so with that being in mind without any further ado and enough of me talking let's go ahead and bring the reason why we're here tonight alberto del rio how you doing buddy uh, Leo, what's going on i'm uh, happy to see you and ready to have some fun my friend well the, the first thing let's let's talk about here and we said this before we started recording um you look amazing like you've always been in really good shape what does it take in this day and age in your your opinion to continue to train and do all these things that are important as far as the whole package of wrestling it takes a, a lot of work i mean i have always said the same there's no secret formulas or short short roads to success or to to be where you want to be in life you have to work hard nobody gives you anything for free nothing nothing comes for free especially when you are in a in such a demanding job where there's hundreds thousands millions of 
talented wrestlers behind you and you have to you have to continue showing the promoters the the audience who you are uh it's not easy but if you love what you do and if you don't lose the passion uh especially when you are in your 40s or you've been doing this for for many decades or years um you have to have the passion if you lose the passion for what you do you're you're done and uh thank god i haven't lost the passion for what i do I love pro wrestling. I have loved, I have always been in love with pro wrestling since I remember. And I know a lot of people say the same, but I really mean it. Like I, I, re I remember myself uh, when I was four or five years old and I was always putting a, a luchador's mask on me and wrestling the pillow, wrestling uh, stuffed, uh, stuffed um, animals or stuffed, uh, sorry, stuffed uh, toys and, and, or wrestling with my friends or whatever. I have always, I have always, um, I have always been in love with this business. So what would you say is your earliest memory of, of wrestling itself? Kind of take me through the process of how you were introduced. Uh, it was, um, it, it, it's just a family business uh, my, my grandfather was a promoter I, I don't know if I can put it this way and say that I'm a third generation pro wrestler because my grandpa was not a pro wrestler but was a promoter so he was in the business so we're being in the business for for three different generations my, my grandpa is a promoter then my uncle my mascot is my father those caras and my uncle Sicorelico, and then of course my cousins my brother myself we have been involved in this business for for a long time and and we've been champions all of us in different companies in different different places around the world. Everybody knows who Min Mascaras is. And uh, I, I like to say that most of the people or many people know who Alberto Del Rio is. So we've been, we're, we've been really successful doing what we do. When it comes from being from a family who's in the business already, is there any certain, um, I don't want to say pressures, but is there expectations, maybe a better word, to have the next generation of children in the family go ahead and carry that on? Or is it a situation of, you know what, pick your own path. This is what we did. You're more than welcome. If this is something that interests you, or was there a little bit of pressure to keep it on? No, uh, there was no pressure when it comes to me. I mean, I know there was when it comes to my cousin, my cousin Aaron, the son of Mil Mascaras. My uncle always wanted him to be an athlete. He always wanted him to be in sports, but my cousin, he, he never liked sports. He's a really smart man and he was fantastic in school. He's an accountant and he's really good at what he does, but sports was not his thing, you know? And my uncle was just going crazy because of that, because he was, or he is mil mascaras, you know? So he, he would go and, and brag about things that never happened, like telling us or telling his brothers, oh, my son just won the national championship in judo and uh, he's a karate kid. It was just, you know, my uncle making stuff up. There was pressure when it comes to him, but when it comes to me, there was no pressure in the business because my dad never wanted me to be a wrestler. Uh, I remember this since I was a little boy. He would take me to watch him wrestle and to the wrestling shows, but every time I was saying, I want to be a pro wrestler when I grow up, that he was like, no, I want you to go to school and do something different. This is a beautiful business, but there's, there's a lot of dirt behind the scenes. You know, being a little boy, I didn't understand what it meant but now as a father as a, as a grown man i know exactly what my dad was talking about back then it's a beautiful business the most beautiful business in the world but like in like in many other places there's some stuff that shouldn't be there but early but it is <laughs>
It's funny you mentioned that um, when we talk about wrestling families, you know, you talk about the Von Erichs as well, and, and Fritz Von Erich really wanted to push all of his boys, and, and and not all the boys wanted necessarily to be wrestlers, and I think that you have a tale of two sides, right? You have a, a ser- series where a, a parental wants them to be, and then another parental says, you know what, you know, make your own path, do what makes you happy, and... I think it's really cool that your father said, you know, great business, but there's things that you probably on the CD side. And now that you're a, a parent, would that be, would you echo those same sentiments to your children being, hey, FYI, if you want to do this, this is what's the reality of it. Or would you kind of say, no, I want you to go ahead and, and pursue other interests? No, no. I want him to do whatever he feels a passion for. Uh, and I have talked to Joseph many times about this and just this morning. We were having breakfast, uh, my girlfriend, Teresa, her son, Lalito, my son, Joseph, and I. And among other stuff, I was telling them about pursuing their dreams and the, the, the things they want to do in life and not to be married to something just because somebody, your dad, your mom, your uncles want you to do it. Yes, of course, you have to follow the advice of smart people and people that came before you, but... You have to be your own you and, and, and decide what, what road you want to take in life and then have the right person, the right people to guide you. I'm saying this because Joseph is a, he's a great athlete. And I was uh, sharing this with Lalito when Joseph was six years old. They wanted to sign him in a semi-pro soccer team here in San Antonio, the Scorpions, oh, wow. of, the Scorpions of San Antonio. And I remember when they approached me, I was already a champion in the WWE. I was popular already and uh, some other parents approached me and they they asked me why did I say no why I said no to the contract and one of them was uh, well he he was from Mexico and I remember him saying your son is way better than than, than my son and, and my son is under contract why why you said no and I was like well number one you shouldn't be saying that my son is better than your son because that's going to affect your son and, right and, and, and it's it's terrible that you say things like that <laughs> number two uh, it's okay that you want to go that way but when it comes to me i don't want that i don't want this to become a job for my son at the age of six i want him to enjoy life and to be able to to try other sports or other activities that would maybe bring more joy and passion to his life next thing you know uh, the month uh, a month later he he wanted to he he didn't want to play soccer anymore and he wanted to start boxing in um uh, uh, and that's what he did. He started boxing right after that. And he loves boxing. He's a really good boxer. And if he wants to be a professional boxer, I will support him. If he wants to be a pro wrestler, I will support him. I just want him to do what what he feels is the best road for him in his life. And I'm going to be every step of the way. And, and But he's going to be somebody. That's When it comes to my kids, there's no room for them to just be seated and not doing anything in their life. They're going to be something. Whatever they want, but they're going to be something in life. And they're going to be the best can be. I also get the feeling in a lot of ways, parents try to live vicariously through their kids. And I feel there like, and, and I feel like that's the kind of, that's the, that's the hard part for a lot of kids is because like you said mm-hmm. before, your kid is six, right? He enjoys soccer right now, but let him do other stuff. And he just found out uh-huh. he loves boxing. But I think, especially here in America, we get that a lot. You know, yeah. you, you had a uh, you had a father who was a high school football player, thinks he was a NFL guy, and all of a sudden he forces his kid to play, and his kid really doesn't yes. want to. But I think your style of parenting, and, and 
we'll we'll circle back around to this as well. But I like it because I feel like you're here to support them in whatever they want to do. But you're also there to realize there's a lot of things to explore and not limit yourself to one thing because you know what? Tomorrow is another day and you might find something else that you're interested in. Yes, definitely. And, you know, I, I have a perfect role model with my dad. You know, he's, he's wise. He was always... He always knew what to say and when to say it. And of course, I was a, I was younger or young or a teenager, and I was dumb, thinking that I knew everything. And I remember back in those days when I dropped school. Um, some people know this, some others don't. But I'm also an architect. I went I went to school. I finished university in Mexico for that. And uh, I dropped I dropped. Uh, school in my first year because I wanted to be a luchador. I wanted to wear my cape and my mask and do cross bodies and drop kicks and stuff. And my dad uh, talked to all the promoters down there in Mexico and he said, Hey, you guys like me and respect me, right? So don't give him a job. Don't give him. I know, I know he's six foot four, six foot five, and 230 pounds and you see money in him, but but please, I'm trying to do something with my boy and, uh, and I want you to help me with Uh So next thing you know, nobody gave me a job. I mean, they did, but in tiny little places, tiny little arenas and paid me. No kidding, no kidding, um, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. And, and I was like, what's going on here? Uh, <laughs> this is not what I wanted. And then I talked to my dad and I was like, hey, what's going on? I said, go back to go back to school. Just finish your school because you don't know you don't know what, what life will bring you. You don't know if you're gonna be good in this sport because pro wrestling sometimes it's not just about skills. You have to be in the right place with the right people. Sometimes you could be the best, the most technical wrestler in the world, but for whatever reason you don't get the the acceptance from the other wrestlers or from the fans. So have something else in life. And once you finish your school, once you say you want to be an architect, once you be, you're, you're an architect, go and do whatever you want with your life. Because after that, right after I give you that, I'm paying for helping you in your education and everything. Well, after that, I will wash my hands. So if you make mistakes, it will be your mistakes. But I'm at least I'm giving you the gloves so you can go out there and, and fight in life. So. Uh, I think that's awesome. That's awesome. So I'm, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the same with my, with my children, with all of them, tr- trying or passing some of that knowledge that my dad passed it to me to the son of my girlfriend because he's the same age as my son Joseph. And you know, they're playing sports and they want to be some someone in life. Um, they want to. He wants to be a, a football player and also a pro wrestler. <laughs> so I, as as we were saying at the beginning of the this interview, they be whoever whatever you want to be in life but be the best i agree i agree completely what tell me what it was like being younger and in you know being involved in the industry or at least being backstage and and seeing things obviously you know there's probably things that that you were kind of pushed to the side and say hey don't come over here you don't want to see this uh go ahead go go get something to eat during this time but what was that what was that like i mean i'm sure just by osmosis you would pick stuff up just naturally as far as the way people conducted themselves and the in the way they worked in the business what were some early things that you picked up just by observations of oh my gosh I, I I noticed they're doing this or I noticed they're doing that yeah I mean my generation we grew up when you know wrestling was for people for the fans a hundred percent hundred two hundred a thousand percent real you know uh, so the, my my father and all the other wrestlers they they took care of the business the way they had to 
back then and there was no way I could go inside the locker room you know I, I was there helping setting up the chairs the ring selling popcorn selling sodas and stuff helping with my grandpa or, or whoever in the family doing the show that night or promoting the show that night uh, I was helping but I was never allowed to go to the back I remember one time I I snaked in and Villano Tercero rest in peace he was one of the most a glorious wrestlers in Mexico. My dear friend, dear dear friend of the family, rest in peace. He found me and he was like, you need to get the hell out of here because your <laughs> dad is gonna like spank you real bad if he finds you here. And then, and then I was like, why? But I want to know what's going on here. And next thing you know, there was my dad. And he grabbed me by the hair. <laughs> what are you doing here, boy? I have <laughs> told you many times that this is not a place for children. I was like, yeah, 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 it's okay, man, it's okay. So he got me out of the locker room. And then, you know, years later, I understood why. But, you know, I think that was uh, something fantastic to do. Uh, that was something fantastic to to have or, or do in this business because it kept the the purity, the, the essence of this mystic. There you go. Yep. That's the right word. Of course, business has changed with uh, everything, internet, uh, social media, and everything. But you know, I I, I really I really like the way the business was. I like the way the business is. But you know, there are some companies still keeping the tradition of making their wrestlers look like stars. WWE. I've never been with AEW, so I know I don't know how they do it. But I'm pretty sure they do it the same way. Where their wrestlers, they look like movie stars. They look, you know, like models, like sharp dress, and you know, that's the way it was in Mexico in the 70s, 80s. In for the company UWA. Toreo, which was a company where my dad used to work for. And you would see the wrestlers. You would see Mil Mascaras, Kanek, my dad getting there in their brand new cars, sport cars, and wearing three pieces, suits, ties, and stuff. And you'll be a little boy and you'll see them like giants. And you will, you would want to be like them, dreaming with one day, driving one of those cars, wearing those suits, and then being in the ring, defeating the bad guys from the good guys. In Mexico, the, the concept behind wrestling is they are looked as more of athletes, which they should be, professional athletes, and it's taken very, very seriously as opposed to, I feel, a lot of ways in the American-style wrestling where it was kind of gimmicky and, and kind of cartoony in the 70s and 80s and whatnot. I also feel like there was a, a such more deep respect and appreciation from the fan base. Kind of touch upon that a little bit and, and talk about how the, the fans in Mexico how they differ from the fans in the United States from a performer standpoint, as far as, you know what, this audience is definitely different because of what? Well, I think the, the, the fans going, attending the arenas, they're the same in Mexico, Japan, or United States. But the fans investing their money in the business, those are the real fans. Uh, no disrespect or anything, but those fans who never spend a dime in the product, they never go to the shows. They never buy the merch. They ne or they don't even pay for their pay-per-views. They go and they download those pay-per-views in a weird, not legal way. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about those, those that that uh, those fans. Uh, they are the ones making the business difficult. But the uh, the business is the same. Wrestling is the same, regardless if you're wrestling in one country or another. And for us, for the wrestlers, we appreciate that. I had the opportunity to wrestle all of the big stars all over the world. Seeing that punk uh, show came, uh, 
you name it. And for me, those fans in the arena, they were always fantastic. You know, I, my, I had my, my, uh, my son and uh, the son of my girlfriend, Teresa, and Teresa attending uh, the event last night here in San Antonio. And uh, they had a lot of fun. And it was the first time for, for, for my girlfriend going to a, a WWE pro wrestling show. And she was like, that was amazing. I, I couldn't believe how it was with the lights, with the, with the music, with the performers and the promos and how the people react. And I was like, well, that's the magic of wrestling. I was, that's why I was telling you that the way they, they see the business once they are in the arena is completely different than what you read or see in the internet. So when you first actually get into into wrestling, you are down in Mexico still. So is it hard to overcome that that stigma of already having family members in the industry? Or do you feel like that was not something that was really looked upon and they were looking at you as an individual? Oh, but back then it was really difficult. 20 years ago, if you were the son of somebody, it meant something. But because back then, if you had the junior or the hijo de, the son of, it meant that you were really the son of Dos Caras, the, the real son of Dos Caras, the real son of Blue Demon or El Santo. You know, through the years, some wrestlers, they their, their kids didn't want to be in the business, so they sold the name or they rented the name. So then next thing you know, you had the, the guy across the street being Huracan Ramirez Jr. when he was never in the family. He was not even related to Huracan Ramirez. And that's when when the juniors or the sons of lost the real value in the, in the business. So this day, it doesn't matter who your dad was. I mean, you have to bring it and you, ha you have to bring it and you have to prove who you are. When it comes to me, like, yes, of course, everybody was saying, hey, Alberto, he's the son of those caras. We can sell that name and we can put his name on the billboards and people will come to see if he's as good as his father was or his father is. But, uh, but when it comes to me, I was also, I will say the tallest Mexican <laughs> in the business with muscles. And you know, I could. You fly. stood out. Yeah, I stood out. These days, I and I, I said this the other day. You can grab all the juniors or the sons of people in the business in Mexico, and if you remove or take that name away from them, there would be nobody, nobody. And there's one, two, or three that are considered legends in the business in Mexico, of course, because of respect, I'm not going to say their names, but they shouldn't be who you are if they use, if they would have used a different name than the name of their fathers. Uh, wrestlers like Dr. Wagner Jr., like Perro Aguayo Jr., rest in peace, Hector, Hector Garza, myself, we could have used any name because, you know, we, we, we're in love with the business, we have passion for the business, or we had passion for the business, however we want to put it, and we're good. So, prove everybody that you don't you, you don't need your father's name or you you don't need to have someone's name to become somebody because I reached the top of my business when I changed the name. So when you're training and, and I hope I pronounce this correctly and please correct me if I'm not is it dos caras? You said what is that like? I mean, when you when you're going through trainings, is it push-ups, sit-ups, you need to run, you need to do this? We, we hear from a lot of different people who are in pro wrestling. The training experiences are completely different, right? Some people it's it's ton of calisthenics, some of it is, you know, heavy weightlifting and whatnot. What was yours like? What was a, an average day when you first step in and you're starting to train? Well, for for me, making the transition to become a pro wrestler was really easy because I was an amateur wrestler for, for many years. I started when I was uh, six, 
uh, I, I made the, the national team at the age of seven, competed all over the world as, a, as an amateur athlete since I was a little kid. And I was, I was part of the national team in all stages, uh, becoming a teenager, being an adult. I was in the A team all the time and competed all over the world for world championships, Pan American Games, Central American Games. So when I decided to become a pro, I was already an athlete and, you know, I was already a wrestler. So it was really easy. Of course, I needed to learn the entertaining part of the business and how to make it look like spectacular and all the stuff that make the fans to be in love with this beautiful business. Of course, then I had to change and adapt when I came to America and I had to learn the, the pro wrestling style that, that most of the people like. Uh, of course, not everybody. There's people not liking uh, the American style or the WWE style. But for me and many others, that's the style that sells around the world. So when I came here, it wasn't that difficult. It was a little bit difficult because in Mexico, you wrestle on the right side. But here you have to do it on the left side. So you... It, it's, it's as easy as thinking, okay, you're being used in this hand to ride your entire life. And from one day to the other, they say, no, not with this one, little boy. You need to use this one and do it the most beautiful way you can. Um, th that, that was the only thing that it took me uh, a few months or, or whatever to adapt. But I've been in this business my entire life. I work hard every day. I don't rest. I don't stop because uh, I, don't, I don't know any other way to do it in this business. So you're training, you're doing all different types of things. You're, you're transitioning really well, obviously being an amateur athlete um, and a very successful amateur athlete at that. So you start to get in there and you start to meet people. Who were some people that were coming up with you at that time when you first, first broke in in 2000? Uh, when I started, it was uh, Pirata Morgan, which is one of the legends in the business in Mexico. Villano Tercero, Sangre Chicana, of course, my dad. My dad has always been my mentor. He, he, he has always been my mentor in absolutely everything. Being, being, a, being a, a professional, being a father, being a son, being a friend. He, he was the one training. And of course, in, in amateur wrestling, I had a, many trainers. Leonard Kolesnik was one of my first trainer. When I made the A team in the national team, he was a Russian trainer. And just yesterday, I had a phone call from my last amateur trainer, Juan Manuel um, Rodriguez, who was... Uh, Cuban athlete, and he was part of uh, the team in Mexico as our trainer. That's mm -hmm. it, my, my, my beautiful girlfriend, Teresa. <laughs> oh, look at that. How thoughtful is that? I tell you yeah, what, I'm going to get my wife over here. <laughs> I need something to drink, honey. Sorry, I need some water. <laughs> um, so, 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 yeah, I, um, I have worked really hard to to be where I am in this business. And it has always been fun. And it, it doesn't matter that it's been many years. I, I continue to have fun. Of course, after many years, you, you have to find ways to do it in a different way where it doesn't get boring. Because sometimes after so many years doing the same stuff over and over and over, you, 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 you sit on the side of the bed and you go like, oh my God, I have to do this again. <laughs> part of, that's part of the business. You got to mix it up and find new ways to not necessarily reinvent yourself, but make it, make it fun again for you to fall in love again. And sometimes that can be really, really hard when you've been doing something for so long a certain way. And I give a ton of credit for people who can do that because so many people would typically fall into that same category of, well, this is the way I've done it. This is the way I know I'm going to do it. And it's almost you go on autopilot after a while. But like you said, sometimes you got to make some changes. So when it comes to getting gear 
and and being prepared for the the presentation of it. What was your first thought when you were you know in wrestling? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to look like or what you what you wanted your persona to be like, or was that something that you got some help from your father or for some other people who were really close to you? No, I, I have always wanted to be a wrestler. I, I had my uh, my autograph uh, ready at the age of six. I designed my mask at the age of 10. I would wow. draw, I would draw the, the, the mask and I wanted to, I wanted my mask to look a little bit different than, uh, than the design that my father would has been using for many years and make it a little bit more newish, modern, however we want to call it. You know, I, 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 always, I have always wanted to be a wrestler. There's a story that my dad loves when I finished uh, kindergarten and we were there and I was in a Catholic school and uh, the, the teachers, the teachers uh, at the end of the, the year and with the kids moving on and going to a different school. And she was giving the speech to all the parents and kids. And she was like, she was saying, um, we, we, we might have the next Mexican president in this school. And then she said, kids, who wants to be the next Mexican president? in the future who wants to be a mexican the president of mexico in the future and of course all the kids raise their hands and stuff but i was there just with my arms crossed and then she said hey uh Alberto, you you don't want to be the president of mexico i was like no i'm gonna be a pro wrestler <laughs> <laughs> and and my dad loves this story my dad said when he heard me saying that he knew uh i was going to be a wrestler regardless if he wanted me to be one or not because he could feel the passion of my words that day. So um, I, I, I've been breathing, eating, sleeping pro wrestling since I remember. Uh, it, I know it's, it's the same way for others and not the same way for, for others, but that doesn't mean that uh, you need to be that way to be in love with this business or have the passion. There's some people finding the love and the passion for this business uh, 10 years ago or five years ago. It doesn't really matter. It's, a, it's all about wanting to do something the right way in, in, in your life. What would you say was your most just amazing moment that you enjoyed before you got into the business, obviously having a, a parent that was in the business? Was there something, a, a match or an event that you saw that you were like, oh my God, th this was just, this was amazing to me. Like this really captivated to me is there one such moment or was it yeah. maybe a, a a multitude of moments no there's 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 many moments but uh i again i've been immersed in this business since i remember but i remember the day when i had confirmation when i knew in a hundred percent that i wanted to do this it was in pachuca mexico it's a city that it's like two hours away from Mexico City. All my friends from school came that day. And my dad was defending the, the World Heavyweight Championship against Kanek. And he lost that night. Kanek, Kanek was a heel. My dad was a baby face. Kanek did a heelish move. And that's how he became the champion that night. But I was so angry because all my friends were there and my dad lost that night, lost the title. And I was so angry that I just, I just waited for Kanek in the parking lot. I was a little boy. I was a little boy. <laughs> Probably the age of nine or 10. And everybody was going crazy in the arena because they thought somebody took me away, kidnapped me or whatever. And they were trying to find me. And my dad was losing his nerves and stuff because they couldn't find me. I was there waiting for Kanek. And then Kanek came out, you know, just muscle, big guy. Uh, wearing his beautiful mask, and, and he saw me. I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow up to be bigger and stronger than you, and I'm gonna kick your butt." 
uh, you'll see it. And that championship is going to be mine. And he was like, okay. Yeah, but once I tell your dad where you are, <laughs> you, have, you have a more difficult task than, than defeating me many years from now. Come here, boy. And I was yes. just kicking and punching and, and kicking him and punching him. And then I just saw my dad standing in the front of the, in, on the front entrance of the arena with that look of, wow. That's amazing. That's uh, awesome. I froze, uh, and, uh, that's the day, or the night when I, when I said, oh no, I'm going to be a pro wrestler. And then, you know, I was already in training and stuff, but I remember that day like it was yesterday. In, in wrestling is so much about feel, right? Re- wrestling's about emotion and feeling and passion. And I feel like, maybe you can chime in on this, do you feel like, in your opinion, that everyone still possesses that, that's getting into this business? Or do you feel like some of that has changed, meaning they see the success of other people, and they just see it as a money grab or they see it as a way to get famous. Do you feel like a lot of ways that some of that passion might not be as fervent as it used to be with earlier generations like yours? No, completely. I, I, I'm, I agree with people thinking that. I, I mean, I know there's a, a, a tons of people out there still having the passion and doing this because they, they watched the product when they were little kids or teenagers or whatever and they fell in love with it. But I know there's a, a big amount of people. I don't know which percentage I can put it higher or lower, but I know there's a lot of people just being here because, you know, they want to be famous, they want to make money, which is which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And, and it doesn't mean that if you don't you don't you're not in this business because you're in love with it since the beginning, that doesn't mean that you cannot be somebody in this business and then love it later. Um but 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 yes, I, I think in a little uh, in a in a small percentage, but I think there's more people getting into this business because of the money and fame than because they are or they were in love with the with the business. Talk a little bit about the differences between AAA and CMLL. Uh, do you feel like a lot of them, the way the promotions were run, I would should say, are very similar, or do you feel like there's some staunch contrasts between the way the promotions uh, handle business and the way they run their promotion? No, they're completely different. CMLL, they want to keep the tradition of chain wrestling, and they do a lot of high fly, or all the luchadors do a lot of high fly action. But in CMLL, they try to keep it more serious, to put it that way, you know, to continue working the kayfabe for the uh, fans and stuff. And, and AAA, they just copy everything they see from from WWE, from whatever uh, the big companies are doing in the States, they just go and copy the set, the storylines and the pay-per-views and the name of the pay-per-views, which is okay, because, you know, if you're going to copy someone, copy the most successful one, right? Sure. So, and, 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 you know, they have found their own ways in the process and, and think, you know, a lot of people would agree with this. They're the most successful company in Mexico at the moment. Uh, you know, they, they have shows every day, they have TV shows every day, and they've been doing this for, I don't know, 25, 30 years, whatever. So they're pretty successful. They have they have their own fans. They, they have fans like, it's just like here in America. There's, there's some fans loving WWE, some others loving AEW, or fans loving all kind of wrestling. It's the same stuff in Mexico. 
Interesting. So you're in the you're in Mexico wrestling. You've obviously wrestled for both promotions. As we get closer to 2010, what was the the way that you were able to transition into WWE? Was there somebody who contacted you? Was there somebody who came down to meet with you? How did the whole transition of that happen? And kind of what was your take? Was that something you were looking to do at the time? Was the transition to uh, another promotion, maybe outside of Mexico? No, I mean to be honest, I always wanted to be a luchador. Back then, when I was a little boy, we didn't have WWE on TV. Uh, I mean, we had it later. Well, us, the one having the ones having cable TV. But to me, I always wanted to be there. Loot, uh, wrestling at El Toreo, at Arena Mexico, wearing that mask. Uh, becoming a WWE wrestler came by destiny or by uh, by doing things the right way. And um, I got, I, I don't want to say that I got lucky because there's no luck. There's, you don't, you don't, it's not luck when, when you work hard for what you do. Um, I started fighting in Japan as an MMA fighter because by then the money wasn't that great in Mexico pro wrestling business. It's still not great, but it's okay. <laughs> it's good enough to, to make a living that way. So WWE was uh, touring in Japan and some of the wrestlers or the wrestlers had the day off. They went to the arena to watch MMA and next thing you know they saw this uh, tall Mexican guy fighting with a mask. Of course uh, after the show uh, they started asking who this guy is, who this guy is. And somebody told John Laranidis that I was the son of those guys. John Laranidis wrestled with my dad and my uncle for uh, all Japan pro wrestling for many years. So um, I guess because I don't I'm not hundred percent sure when it comes to this part somehow they asked for my contact information and i got contact and then they said hey uh wwe is interested in in having you uh would you want to go and do a tryout and stuff and, uh, of course i said yes and uh, i went to oklahoma city i remember that that night i had my tryout they liked it and uh in the night that's the day when i met ray mysterio the great man ray mysterio my dear friend ray quiero cabrón eres un chingón love you ray uh and he was the one telling johnny guys you guys have been trying to find another mexican star that's your guy that's your guy he he loves the past he loves and have passion for this business you know who he is you know who his father and his uncle is and blah 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 that very same day they said uh Johnny said, John Laronidis, thank you, Johnny, as well. He was the one finding me. He was the one uh, putting me out there. He was the one pushing for for the important people in the company. He was the one telling them, hey, he has what we, he has what we need. And uh, <clears throat> next thing you know, I moved from Mexico City to Tampa, uh, still trying or learning the language and still trying to figure out how how uh, or it's it's two different cultures, you know, moving from Mexico to America. Pe- people might think that just because you sign with WWE, you go and live in a luxurious uh, penthouse and stuff right away, and and you you drive brand new cars and stuff. Uh, uh, no, it's not like that. <laughs> you get you get your salary, you get your check, but uh, you know it's a good check. But, but when you start like in any other business, it's just good enough to to live, but not nothing spectacular. Of course, you know, I worked really hard. I had a lot of people helping me, great people, Dusty Rhodes, rest in peace. He was always taking the time to help, especially with with the, lang- the language barrier. Cause you know, now I'm, now after so many years and stuff, and of course working hard, 
I can I can speak English with my accent. That's something I will never lose. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I tried, believe me, I tried, but uh, that's something that doesn't go away. I, I have my son making fun of my accent sometimes. Like, hey, it's really windy today. And you will hear my little Joseph say, who's Wendy, daddy? Who's Wendy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a little, hmm, kid. Um, so <laughs> I had Dusty Rhodes, the great Dusty Rhodes always helping, being patient, explaining me the, the idea and the story behind the promos. Because, you know, in Mexico, luchadores, and there's no way to say it with respect, but in Mexico, Lucha Libre, when they grab the microphone, they only grab the microphone to say stupid things mm -hmm. they don't they don't they don't nothing uh, profound they don't deliver a message they don't understand the power behind the microphone behind your words and how with your words you can move them even more than with wrestling moves sometimes if you're good enough uh in mexico they just grab the microphone to say i hate you mask versus mask next week or hair versus hair next week that's what they do <laughs> and I don't care if they get mad at me or not. I have said this several times in several interviews. But when you open up your mind and go and go to a place like FCW or I guess now NXT, and you go with the whole idea of, okay, if I wanted to be an architect, I would go to the university and I will listen to my teachers. So this is my profession, pro wrestling, and these are my teachers. And this is a university of wrestling. I need to listen and change whatever I think I know because the reality of things is that you don't know anything and listen to learn and that's what I did and all of them Norma Smiling uh, Dr. Tom um, Steve Kern they worked with me you know, we know those things hey bringing the logic into my my uh, my wrestling way of uh, my, my wrestling style and next thing you know after months three four months I was able to have a proper match in the American style in the next world it's, it's his way <laughs> so when you talk about the different styles, it, it seems like what you're saying, if, if I'm understanding correctly, is there's a lot more psychology that's used in American-style-based wrestling, meaning the talking on the microphone, the getting the emotion, the reaction, being able to use the microphone as, as a very valuable tool in telling your story, as opposed to in Mexico where that wasn't used as much. So how would you in Mexico really be able to dig deep to tell a story? Would it just be all through facial features and reactions and making sure that you you took time to pause and look at the audience? Was it more of a, a physical uh, storytelling per se? Uh, this, uh, and I have had this several times. And again, I don't care if they can mad at me or not. There's no psychology in Mexican wrestling. You know? They just do moves to do moves. Like, they just, uh, I, that, that's why when I came to America and I started to learn the business in this country, I fell in love with it because yes, that's the way it should be. If you, there's, if you don't want to see 25 cross bodies in the same night, you have to save that for the right moment, for the right person. That way it means something, right? But in Mexico, you do, you see everybody doing everybody's finishes. You see, uh, and I'm not exaggerating anything. You would see at least a hundred tilt to world backbreakers in a wrestling show every night. Everybody's doing that because it looks really cool and it's easy to sure. happen, but everybody does it. So it doesn't mean anything after the third one, after the fourth one. So, uh, of course, uh, back then when I was in Mexico, I didn't know about the American style and like many other luchador, any other luchador, 
I would think that the Mexican wrestling style was the best one in the world. And I would say that American wrestling was not real wrestling, like any other luchador not knowing what, what, what it is, what really is to be here or in Japan or in many places. Uh, once you have the opportunity to practice and learn different styles, you create your own style. That makes you different. That makes you stand out from the others. But, you know, just few of us have that privilege of going many places. And um, I, I, I have to say that I have enjoyed every step of the way. Like I enjoyed being a luchador. I had a lot of fun. Then I started um, doing the American style or Japan or any other country, and I enjoyed it. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm always studying my game, my 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 profession. It sounds like you got to be a chameleon too. You got to be able to be able to adapt and change because it sounds like if you were just to have stayed in Mexico and continued to wrestle, you would have hit that plateau, right? It would have been, okay, I've, I'm becoming stagnant now because there's nothing more that I can push myself to do. But then coming to the United States and working with Steve Kearns and the Norman Smiley's, you start to open your eyes that there's this whole other realm of wrestling that I haven't been informed about yet. So was there an aha moment where you said, oh my gosh, if I would have known this five years ago, this would have changed things completely? Oh, definitely. I have always said the, the same you know, I, and Ray and I talked about this one time. Yes, in Mexico, you become a luchador, but to become a, a real professional or the whole package, you have to come here to America. You know? uh, and, you know, now when I do indie or pro wrestling, pro indie pro wrestling shows out there in Mexico and I wrestle those wrestlers that were stars, big stars before me or that we shared the ring when I was in CMLL. They always come to me and say, and I can give you a name, Dr. Wagner. He, like last time we worked, he was like, Junior, it's because he, he calls me Junior. He's like, Junior, like, seriously, you're such a different wrestler these days than what you were back then. You were good back then. You were good, but now your timing your psychology, the way you take uh, things in the ring and how you're always watching, listening. And I was like, yeah. Back then when we were in Arena, Mexico, I didn't know that. I learned it here. Uh, back then down there in Mexico, we would do the, we would do spots, just the same spot every night because we thought it was cool. Not because we were really listening if people were liking it or not, because it's, you don't know what people is going to want that night. That's why I don't understand when some some guys out there go and do their choreographies or stuff and they just don't call it out there and work it out there, you know, because you, what, what people can enjoy here in San Antonio tonight would be not the same for the audience in, in, in Austin tomorrow. So, and I learned this from the, the, the great one and only, I mean, from many wrestlers, but the, the one really showing me the, how different it is when you go out there and just have fun was John Cena. You know, when I had the privilege of studying working programs with John Cena, he, he is that way. He, he, you know, he approached to you and he's like, okay, we're working tonight. Yeah, see you there. <laughs> and if you don't bring it, you're done. Like if you really want to be in that category or at least be a main eventer, you have one opportunity and in major corporations. You have one. They put you in the ring with John Cena and you don't bring it that night. Here's you 
you go to the back of the line right away. So you have to be ready. So I learned it from him. Of course, I was nervous. I was like, okay, I heard so many things of, of you know, wrestlers not bringing it that night and then going back to the back of the line. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in the back of the line. And, you know, uh, I've been working for this my entire life. So I was ready, uh, physically ready, technically ready. And, and uh, I like to think, or I like to say that since that day, John, John liked me and always, you know, he, he, he enjoyed working with me because we did several programs <laughs> through the year. And even when I went back to the company the second time, he was the one, okay, bring it to me. So thank you, John, for that. <laughs> we had a conversation with uh, Lince Dorado and um, amazing conversation. And, and what he, one thing he instilled in me and he told me was that when they first came to WWE, there was in the back of his mind, you know what, this is how sometimes larger companies, when they're big on characters, they portray Hispanic wrestlers a certain way. And I think we all can agree they don't always paint Hispanic wrestlers in the in the best light. And he said things were going great. And then all of a sudden there was a meeting and all of a sudden there was a pinata there. And, and all of a sudden it really got away from being about what we could deliver. And it became more about this, uh, the gimmick itself, just to make a ha-ha type of thing. Yeah. Did you ever, were you ever concerned about the way that you were going to be portrayed once you were up on the main roster? Or did you have a pretty good feeling that it wasn't going to be real ha-ha? It was going to be, you know what, this is the essence of El who Alberto is, yeah. and we're going to stick with that. No, no, I think I, I think we did a really good job uh, by, by the way they presented me. You know, I was the first one being presented the first. I mean, we had, of course, Eddie, but I'm, I'm talking about the new wrestlers. Because Eddie came from other companies, being a star already in other companies, you know. So, um, but but a newcomer, a complete newcomer like me, just from nowhere, putting on TV, putting him on TV. I think, and I might be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. But when it comes to newcomers, they would, they, as you mentioned, they were always presenting Hispanic or Latinos, not the way they would want. Let's put it that way. Yeah. When it comes to me, I, I gave me a ring announcer, luxurious cars. And yes, we were celebrating with piñatas, but uh, but to me, it was always fine because we're yes, we're athletes, we're wrestlers, but we're also actors. You're playing a role on TV. I mean, so when people would approach to me in Mexico and say, "Hey, why you let them use the piñatas?" That's like them. Um, disrespecting the traditions and i was like why i'm 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 this millionaire powerful mexican who was born in mexico so how do we celebrate in mexico with sombreros tequilas and piñatas right so why would i do it different and right. they'll be like yeah but it came from the American writers. And I'm like, so? I mean, if it would have been me, the one writing that stuff, I would say, I want a mariachi band, I want sombreros, and I want piñatas. I mean, that's who we are. It's like, like if, if I was running a, a, a powerful pro wrestling company and we bring an American wrestler and, and I get mad if we have this American wrestler celebrating 4th of July the way they do it, right? With the fireworks and stuff. Those are our celebrations and, and there's nothing wrong with it. So 
No, when it comes to me, maybe there's other wrestlers not happy with the way they, they did things with them, but when it comes to me, they did a really good job. And I uh, I, I really appreciate um, what uh, what they did with me. They put me out there, they gave me a name, they made me, uh, they, they, let, they gave me the opportunity of going from being just a, a national known wrestler to be a, a, a worldwide uh, known man. And that's because I was there with, with the WWE. When it came to a lot of the stuff that you were able to do and say, was that all stuff that you felt like you had some input in? Or do you feel like a lot of that was directed, hey, you know what, this is what we want you to say, want you to stick to it? Or did they allow some of your personality in some of your passion to come out as well? Because nowadays we often hear that so many things that people say on the mic it is very much uh, driven right off of a script. Did you feel like that was the way it was with you? Well, that's the way it is with I don't know if I can say most of us or some of us, but at least with me, I, I was always getting the, 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 the piece of paper and I needed to deliver it the best way I could. Um, I know there's, and, and, and I don't even know if it was because uh, at the beginning, I was still perfectioning my English. And you know what, there, there, was, there, there were words that I didn't even know the meaning. So it was one of those where I didn't know if that was a reason why they they were not just letting me go out there and do it like like CM Punk did or or or, or Jericho's or the you know the, the 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 masters of the microphone. I was just following orders all the time, and you know it, it worked. And I I I was keeping the important people in the company happy. So in my mind, I said to myself, why why you want to change this if they're happy with what you do? You're making money, you're becoming champion here and there. Why would you want to change something? And I, I stick to the piece of paper every Monday, every Tuesday. <laughs> when did you start to get the impression that the company was really getting behind you? Because I remember watching where there the, you were the thing, man. You were like, the way I was always describing your character and who you are is a Hispanic James Bond because you had that debonair but just walking with such a confidence and you were out there and it just it was a great and I'm sure a lot of that is just who you are as a person but when did you start to get the impression that uh, the people the people's in the power know really that this is going somewhere were you tipped off on that or did you just kind of start picking things up that man I, I have a feeling that they're going to go with me no, I, I, to be honest, I never knew they were going to go with me. Like, because, like, that's the way the, the business works or used to work. I don't even know how it is these days. Because I heard from some people that the business has changed, that they do different, they, they, they do ways in a different thing, in a different way these days in the company. But back then, us, the new ones, we didn't know anything. Like, I didn't even know when I was debuting. Like, I remember getting into the arena. Of course, I was. they had me doing all the dark matches, every single TV show for Raw and SmackDown and doing all the live events, working with everybody, and then doing these dark matches with with main names. I, I had a dark match with Kane, <laughs> which was my, my last dark match before they put me on TV, right? And I now I know why. And now I know why it was Kane. I'm pretty sure they were like, okay, this is... Your final test. There you go. You have Kane tonight. I was like, oh, <laughs> in a dark match. Oh, okay. And um, 
And, you know, I did a, a, a really good job. And, you know, Kane was fantastic, as he always is. And then uh, the next week, they had my debut ready, but I didn't know anything. I got there to the building, and then they, they, everybody started giving me the thumbs up. Hey, nice ride. Nice ride. Alberto, nice ride. And I was like, the Toyota Corolla that I rented in from National? Um, What's cool about that car? No, seriously, seriously, I was just, I didn't even know. And then I just remember Johnny saying, hey, come here, we have to go and talk to Vince. Talk to Vince. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. So I, I, got, I grabbed my stuff and then, and then Vince was like, what are you wearing tonight? Um, my trunks and boots. Like, because I didn't even know. Like, right, you, you have no idea what this conversation's about. Nothing. Yet he like, thinks you know. Yeah, no, and I, I, but I didn't. And then Johnny was like, tonight is your debut. And you're going against Rey Mysterio, and blah, 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 blah. I was like, oh, okay, okay, well, just go with Johnny. Uh, you know what to do, right? Yes, sir. Yes, and, and I'm ready. And I'm ready. You better be ready. I was like, oh, okay, sir. <laughs> so I, and I, I, left, uh, <laughs> I left his office. And then Johnny helped me pick in my outfit, right? He's like, I don't like this, I don't like this, because you're supposed to be this millionaire. That's why you did all those vignettes in those mansions and stuff. And I was like, ah, yeah, I kind of figured that when we were doing those vignettes and stuff, but, but nobody told me that today I needed to do, bring something different than what I normally wear. Uh, okay, go on, like, just, just go with the seamstress and have them doing uh, some gold trunks or white trunks, because I like those golden boots and stuff. And, like they did it all that day. And then uh, they found Ricardo. Ricardo was there doing his tryout. He wanted to be a wrestler. <laughs> but they asked him, because you know, they need, they didn't pick anybody that day to, to go to FCW or the developmental territory. But they said, hey, uh, who speaks Spanish? And Ricardo raised his hand. And then they said, have you ever been a ring announcer? Yes. For many years, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he only wanted a job. He wanted Fake a it job. till you make it, baby. Yeah, and, and man, like, he did a fantastic job. Like we we were introduced that day. And, you know, Ray Ray was is phenomenal. You know, that day he was like, bring it, man. Just just bring it. The, tonight is your night. Like like uh, if you if you make a fantastic, not you. you there's no room for a good impression in WWE. You have to do a fantastic impression. If not, the next day, they change everything. They don't care because, you know, that's the way it has to be when you have a large, large multi-billion dollar corporation like them. So you have to make a hell of an impression. And, you know, thank God we did it. And Ray was there to help me. And I remember Ray. Thank you, Ray, for absolutely everything. You put me in the map. You're my friend. You, Till this day, you're still trying to help me uh, with many things. So I love you, man. God bless you. And um, so that night in Bakersfield, Bakersfield, California, was the beginning of the Alberto story. Now, did Ray know that uh, he was going to be working with you in your debut and he just was told not to say anything? Or was that something he found out after you talked to him? No, he didn't know either. You know, oh, he wow. didn't know that day. That day they went with him and we talked to him. And, the, and someone there in the creative meeting had the idea of, after building me up with the uh, vignettes and stuff, had the idea of having Alberto Rio Lucini in his debut. You know, there's a, they... they Somebody said, 
oh, it's going to be this is thinking outside the box, you know, because we have built them as this, blah, blah, blah. And, and if he loses, everybody's going to be like, oh, wow, it's going to be different, which is, yeah, you know, it would, it would have been different. I don't think it would have been the right decision. And thank God I had Ray saying, no, that's terrible. Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> me as a, as a new guy at the company, I cannot say absolutely anything. Oh, I was just a soldier, and Ray was like, no, like, if you're really trying to pass the ball into another Latino, another Mexican, you have to have him with him the night of his event. So he was the one bringing sense to the meeting because they were, go they were going to go for it uh, at some point, like an hour before they, they opened doors. That was the idea. Alberto wow. Rio was debuting and losing in his uh, debut, debut match. But Ray, Ray uh, made them come to their senses and they changed everything. And then, of course, I won that night. And then we started that fantastic rivalry uh, that that uh, that uh, brought a lot of joy and happiness to, to many fans and to ourselves. After you start to establish yourself and they get to start to know your work ethic and the way you conduct yourself, do they start to give you a little bit longer of a leash to be able to do things that you don't have to get 100% ran by uh, people backstage before you do it? Or is it still a situation of no matter how long you've been there, you still always got to run stuff past people? Or are you given a little bit of liberties as far as maybe what you're going to say? And because you, you were the you were the centerpiece of the company. And I mean, you were the hottest thing. I mean, was there ever a moment where you felt like, you know what, I can go ahead and I can do this at this point? Or was it always, let me check and let me verify? Well, with me, it was always, let me check and let me verify. I mean, Vince was always fantastic to me. You know? he, always, he, was, he always had time for me if I wanted to talk to him. Not like I, because, you know, we all know you shouldn't be bothering Vince with little things, you know, and it's really difficult to talk to him. But uh, every time I wanted to talk to him, they, they let me do it. You know, they, they'll ask him and, and he would always say yes. So uh, I don't want to say that I was, uh, I was really lucky because again, I don't believe in that. I believe in your talent and you doing something different and bringing it. And that being the reason why you get opportunities. And I pass that into my children all the time. <clears throat> so, but, you know, I was just following orders, you know. But I, I had people telling me uh, all the time, uh, or, or people uh, talking in Mexico, Latin America, oh, Alberto Rio can do so, so many things in the ring. He's not doing high fly action anymore. He's not doing those jumps or those toppes over the top rope. And I was just like, because I don't have to. That doesn't go with Alberto Del Rio. That's the part that some fans don't get. And they'll be like, why? Why is he targeting always that arm? And like, I'm like, because that's what you're supposed to do. If that's your main move, you're trying to chop that tree till the tree goes down. And you know, I know, I know that's why the important people or the men in the company was always pleased with what I did in the ring, you know, because I was using psychology and and, and, and bringing, bringing it every night. Um, you become the WWE champion, which is in many people's minds, the pinnacle of any individual's uh, 
desires in the world of wrestling, at least from the American standpoint. That means you're the top guy in all of the world. Um, and, and many people will instantly know who you are, even if they're not wrestling fans. Talk to me a little bit about when you found out you were going to be the guy and what was your reaction as far as, holy cow, I mean, was it was it an overwhelming thing, like, holy crap, or was it like, no, this makes sense, this is this makes sense to be the next move for me? No, I mean, again, uh, um, they ask me these things all the time, and I guess sometimes some people, some fans, they don't believe when I say that I never knew anything, like, when I when I debuted, I found out that day. When I uh, with the Royal Rumble, it was just few hours. No, not few hours. Few minutes before going out. Like, uh, for that, I mean, that was that was the way it was for me. I, again, I don't know because I never asked. I just did my job because that's what you. If you're in the WWE, you have to be ready for that. Like. That's why they spend money in you. And, you know, that's another thing that I didn't understand till later. And and, men, and maybe the new wrestlers in NXT or in any other develop, developmental center, they need to understand. Till, the, till you, you don't make a dime for the company yet, they're investing money in you. Well, maybe it's different now in NXT because it's a whole other company, right? And they, they sell tickets and they sell marriage. And, but when I was there, those of the elemental territories, uh, OBW, FCW, and all of those, we weren't making money for the company. Like the company was investing money in us. And uh, it wasn't until they put us on TV and we started selling tickets and stuff for shirts or whatever. Uh, <clears throat> but with me, I didn't know anything. I was just following orders and and finding out the same day or or, or 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 hours or minutes before the match. What was your family's response when uh, when you finally became the WWE champion? I mean, and obviously that has to be a very prideful moment within your family. And um, what what does that feel like when you when you call home or or did you have family members there as well that night? No, I had my dad. I had my dad and my uncle, Mil Mascaras, attending the show that night in uh, in the Staples Center. Not because I knew, because you know I had that money in the bank briefcase, and and for that they they came to me and said several times, "Oh, tonight is going to happen." No, tonight is going to happen. No, the next night is going to happen. <laughs> just, it was just one of those where uh, sometimes I was just like thinking, "Are they messing with me?" Or they just like, uh, but no, you know, uh, it, it, the, the thought could. Th- could cross my mind, but no, that's the way the the business is. Like they change things and they know how to change it. And they there's a reason why they change stuff. Um till that day when they came and said, hey, um, I don't even remember when it was. I think it was like an hour before. And they were like, hey, uh, so you're tonight. Tonight is the night, my friend. And uh that was just incredibly happy because my father, my mentor, it happened to be there in the building that night, seated next to my uncle, his brother, who till that night was the most successful wrestler in the family, right? Um, He is a legend. He's one of the biggest names in the country, in the country, in the world. 
but there's only one champion in, coming out of Mexico, born in Mexico, born, born, born. And I have to clarify this because every time I say this, they go and say, oh, I read this guy, I think I read him. Amigos, they're Mexicans in their hearts and soul and blood, but they were born in the United States. Right. I'm the only born in Mexico who has become the WWE champion or world heavyweight champion in, in history. So that, my uncle was there and, you know, that moment was just fantastic. I remember my dad crying and like hugging me and, and I'm in the locker room and saying, I'm one of those fathers who knew, uh, always knew that you, you were going to be somebody in this business and in life. And I'm proud, I'm proud to, to see that you did it on your own. Uh, you created yourself. You didn't ask anything from anybody, and and you made it. And uh, he was just crying. Uh, it was a really a, a, a fantastic moment. I, I had the opportunity to do that in many other occasions um, through the companies. I I remember that storyline against Bobby Lashley in Impact Wrestling. Uh, which was one of my favorite ones in life and in, in the business. Uh, me, that was a real moment. Like me going on my knees and like handing that title to my mentor, my idol, um, was phenomenal. One of the my, my favorite moments, not in the business, in life. I can imagine, you know, thinking about all the conversations of. Hey, don't give my son a job. Don't give my son a job. Go ahead and finish school. And then in all of this and, and everything that, that it took to get to where you are and how you did do those things and how you didn't rely on the last name and, and your family connections. And you did do something that very few people would have done had they had those other opportunities because nepotism runs rampant sometimes in companies, but you forged your own path. And I think that's what your father wanted you to do all along. And it's so cool to see, you know what? This is why. This is why right here. You are your own man. I think that's pretty cool. Yes, thank you. Thank you, my friend. It's been many years, and I'm still enjoying what I do. I still enjoy when I see, watch wrestling live. I don't watch it on TV, and everybody knows this. I would be lying if I say that I do. I see some stuff, and if I read that something cool is going to happen, or we're going to have a, a cool match between this guy and that guy, I watch. But it's been many, many years since the last time I sat down and on, on the couch and watched the whole show. Uh, but uh, but I know there's there's still out there. Um, some of my friends are still out there doing great things. And we have new new uh, performers who are carrying the business in the proper way. I want to ask you this question: um, Who is somebody that you could pick up the phone right now in the wrestling business? And I know friends are are few and far between. Pick up the phone three o'clock in the morning. It's an emergency. Who are you calling, and who's got your back? Ah, oh, Randy Steady. Right awesome. Randy Steady. Right away. I freaking love that man. He's uh, and every you know that this is the best thing about Ray. If you ask anybody, they'll they'll say the same about Ray. He's one of those guys who is the same person with everybody, you know. Um, and when it comes to me, he has been helping me through the years. Just, 
Who is the most enjoyable person to room with? <clears throat> well, um, because we were in different brands and stuff, uh, and there also Ray was hurt at some point and stuff. I was I was getting along a lot with uh, with Drew McIntyre, Chavo Guerrero, Santino. I was I was just sharing the story with uh, my girlfriend with Teresa about Santino Marella babysitting Joseph, my son, because you know there was times where you know I spent spent a lot of time on the road, and, and, and Joseph was was a little baby. I wanted to spend time with them, and you know, company was letting me bring them to the shows. And when I was in the ring, Santino was with Joseph, and so he would. Santino was his babysitter uh, many times because we were uh, really, really good friends. So he would be like, "Hey, don't worry, man, have your back." <laughs> and then next thing you know, um, Joseph was throwing f bombs for everything. He would call him Bintino, 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 not Santino, Bintino, Bintino. I said, like, what did you hear that? Where did you hear that? Bintino, Bintino, Santino, what the hell is going on? I love you, Santino, wherever you are. Thank you for all those wonderful years. I remember one time with Joseph when we were like, you know, you go to the corner and you'll be there one minute because you need to stop saying that it's not it's not a nice thing to say we were trying to you know have him not using the f word anymore <laughs> um and then one of those days he he came to me with, he had a he uh, uh, he had a mickey mouse he was into mickey mouse in those years he came he, he finally came from his uh, from being grounded and he came and said hey dad you need to put Mickey in the corner. I was like, why? Why? Because, because Mickey said, F you, daddy. I was like, and I by my legs. And I ran. I ran to the bathroom. I started laughing. I started like laughing like crazy. And then I went out. I went back out and I was like, no, Joseph, he didn't say that. It's not a lie. You need to stop saying that. And you're going to go grab him. Take your Mickey with you. Both of them are going to be grabbed. Um, yeah, I have, I have, you know, all my compadres, they, always, they were always nice to me. And some of them are not in the company anymore, but I have, I have really good friends. You know, if, uh... in if and I'm wrapping it up here last because I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but let me ask you this. Uh, I, I always get told to ask this question, and we get so many different responses to this. If you could go back in time anywhere and pick a match, okay, take one person out, put you in, what is that match and why? Yeah, that, that has always been a really difficult question for me because I had the privilege, the honor of the blessed, the blessed. That, that, that's, that, that's the right word. I was blessed of, of having all these wonderful performers willing to work with me and, you know, um, willing and helping because you know how, how selfish this business is yeah. and uh, how selfish some of the performers are, but they weren't selfish with me. They were always helping me. They wanted me to be there and help the business to grow if i did uh, so there's many moments uh, the night of my debut i shared that with you with with ray uh john I remember that my first live event with him in mexico 
and like it's just I'm sorry my 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 the first time we worked in Mexico in uh, doing raw the TV show in Mexico is how they like the the idea of the match was completely different but it, they knew I was doing the main event and for for two hours the Mexicans were chanting Alberto it didn't matter who was in the ring but the Mexicans were chanting and 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 and, Ray, and sorry, John approached to me and he was like, what the hell? They, they, he used to call me Presidente. Why? I had no clue. But he used to call me Presidente. He was friends and, with your elementary teacher. <laughs> Probably he heard the story from my, yes. from my childhood. And he was like, Presidente, what's going on? Why do they continue chanting and chanting? Do they know that you're the bad guy in this movie? And I'm like, yeah, John, but you know, you Americans, you're blessed because you have many out there. You got, you, you Americans have athletes, singers, actors, and the best ones in the world. We, we, we have one, two, three or four, and I'm part of those four. So that's the reason why they don't care. Tonight, I'm not the heel. Tonight, I'm not the bad guy. Tonight, I'm one of them, representing them, putting yes. Mexico in the map. And he was like, that's so freaking cool. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> and then he left. And when they when he came back, he's like, Are you ready to dance? Yes, let's go. And he changed everything. And he was like, bring it, president, bring it. And like he let he play his role that night. He let me shine as like me working still with my arrogance and, and my 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 character, my TV character, but he let me be the baby face that night to, to absorb it and to enjoy it. And he was like, he was there, down there, suddenly for me, he was like, there you go, Presidente, go to them, go to them. They, they want a piece of you. Tonight is a night where you give them something, you know? When you're the heel, you have to be the heel. Yes. There's no, you don't have to go there and, and wait for the people to cheer for you if you're the bad guy that's the part that these days i don't understand from some heels they want to be cool no you're the bad guy terminator in the first movie he's not cool he's a crazy robot <laughs> killing people so good analogy i like that yeah so be that person uh, that you're supposed to be that night <laughs> um, john was that night telling me oh just tonight is a night where you give them a piece of them they, did something to John Plum, and then I turned around and for the first time, instead of just giving them that look, I went to the corner and I was like, the freaking place erupted, El Palacio de los Deportes erupted, they were nuts. And Well, the, the match was over, we went to the back, and everybody, they were happy, you know, with what happened, the place was crazy, the energy, and they were like, what happened? Were you a baby face? Before, how, why, why, what happened? I was like, I explained in the same, the, uh, um, the same as, as I did with John, and they were like, oh yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> so many moments. I just, uh, you know, I had many moments. I had the opportunity to be in the ring with many performers, in many companies, companies, and in many important matches. So thank you all. Thank you all the to all the companies, all the performers, giving me the time and letting me do my thing. <laughs> 
I, I will wrap it up with with this. Uh, you've had a incredible career, and I'm not saying that just because you and I are talking. You have. You are a worldwide legend. You have been such a, a catalyst for the Hispanic culture, and you've carried that torch, and you have been one of the best performers in the ring for the last 30 years. I think a lot of people would agree with that. When you decide this is it, this is enough, what do you want Alberto Del Rio's career to be known as? If you were to try to uh, sum that up, what do you want people to remember you by? Uh, for what I've done uh, my entire life, a hardworking man, a fantastic father, someone that that uh, believed in the dream and, and chased them, chased it and pursued it. And, and even though many things have happened in his life, uh, some of them completely, completely unfair. He continues to give his best to everybody around him. And I want, I want not just, not the fans, my kids, my kids, of course the fans, because at the end of the day, they are the ones giving me the opportunity to bring food and put food on that table. But, but my kids, you know, uh, they know who that is. They have been through a lot. We have been through a lot. And we have proven the world that they were wrong. And they continue to try to, to, to say different. And we, till we, we as family decide, no more. We don't have to prove anything. It's out there. Whoever wanting to see the truth is just out. If you don't want to see it for other reasons, personal reasons, crazy reasons, that's your problem. Not us. We have proven everybody wrong. And thank God we live in a country where there's no corruption, there's no BS, there's no, I spend a lot of money to, to make it look different when it's not. No, we live in America. We live in the greatest country in the world, the United States of America. The law is the law here and it's respected and it's proven. And they prove everything before they, they, they go somewhere. And we have done that already. And when we passed that, I had my idols, my, my superstars, my kids losing their mother. And them, them, they continue to show me how strong they are. Even in the moments where I break, they don't. Just three days ago, I, uh, I saw my son's uh, Joseph phone phone, iPhone, and he was, he was texting his mom. And I read the text and like, he broke my heart and started to cry. But then when I was like getting more worried than what I should, he hit me with his wisdom and how, how strong he is and how mentally strong he is. I said, baby, come here, sit here with daddy. Oh, you know, I'm your best friend. And we have always talked about how I'm always gonna be your best friend in life, regardless, well, whatever, whatever life brings you, I'm always gonna be there. Yes, are you, what can I do to make you happy? He's like, I'm happy, daddy. I'm like, um, well, I, you know, your phone was there and you know, as your daddy, I have to check. And that's what we do, son. Yeah, yeah, I know, Daddy. Where are you going? Where are you going with this? He said, he's 12. I said, well, I read this text and you text your mom. And, you know, yeah, I'm a little bit worried. 
because you know sometimes we get sad but there's a big difference between being sad and being depressed and i want to know if you're depressed and I said, i'm not depressed I'm, I'm i'm really happy you make me really happy um you make me really happy you're a wonderful dad all my friends they always say that and they all want to be they all want to be with you all the time because you know you're, you're wonderful with us but but i miss mommy i miss having her around but don't worry don't worry about about what you read uh i love you daddy and then he went away and i just you know i went to the other room i started crying and i was i started saying thank you god for you know for helping me going through all this process or processes in the best possible way and to have these wonderful children who have this powerful mind and uh, and, um, and thank you for letting me and please let me continue <laughs> guiding them in the right path so um, so yes uh, i want to be remembered like that the, the hardworking man who has always uh have given everything for whatever he does in life regardless if it's wrestling regardless if it's school regardless if it's parenting or whatever it is thank you my friend you said it so eloquently um if finally is there anything you would like to let your audience and your fans know um anything you know as far as maybe merchandise or appearances or anything to that nature uh or wink wink anything you feel like uh divulging no pressure here no i'm kidding um the floor is yours whatever you would like to tell people the, the no i just i just thank you my friend thank you for this interview and uh you know i, I had a lot of fun and uh thank you to all the fans you know the, all the supporters and even to 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 the not supporters i don't like calling them haters you know, i think it's a i, I it sounds even worse when you say it in Spanish or when you translate that into Spanish. And I know maybe, maybe some people don't know this, but I, I know I'm speaking English, but I'm translating everything from Spanish to English in, in seconds, in fractions of seconds. So, so there's some words in the English language that sounds horrible <laughs> in Spanish. So haters is a horrible, 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 horrible word in Spanish. So, the, the, the not supporters, because they're not supporters uh, doing the stuff they do. They gave me, they, they, they gave me more passion. They made me work harder. They made me be uh, hungry, to put it that way. I don't want to say that I that somewhere there I lost, uh, I lost, uh, and I stopped being hungry, but. But now I'm really hungry of going back and be who I am, not who I was, who I am. Uh, so thank you to the not supporters. Thank you to the supporters for all these wonderful years. Thank you to all those fans that saw me yesterday when I was taking my kids and Teresa to the arena. And, and they came and approached and, 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 and asked me and stopped me for pictures. And, and they, you know, it was refreshing because it was the first time for me approaching to or being close to to the company where I used to work um, for everybody. I was there just to to take them there because I wanted to watch the show and I had uh, wonderful friends there <laughs> making it happen. Uh, but thank you all to thank you to all the fans and and thank you to my dad, the media, and all the people understanding uh, and using the logic about things. You know, it's, it's I've been talking about 
those things for so long and it, it, it's, it's tiring. And, and it's just, I got to the point where it's, and I, I, I got to a point where I understood they, people get it. It's just the ones not liking me or, or having some personal stuff against me that I don't even know why, the ones not wanting to see. Again, we live, we live in America. Thank you for, 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 for all the things we, we get in this wonderful country. Sometimes I'm American too. I got the privilege of becoming an American citizen five years ago. But sometimes that, that some people, not all, but some Americans being born in this beautiful country, they take that for granted. Absolutely. They take, they take for granted the liberty, the, the, the freedom, the, the, the safety nets, the, the, the security that, that we have here, and the, all the stuff that this wonderful country do for the citizens. So, but I don't, because I came to this country to work, to work hard and to be somebody, and, and this country, and. Uh, that company gave me the opportunity to accomplish those things. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, my friend, for this wonderful time. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, now I'm going to go and, and take my, my beautiful girlfriend somewhere for dinner because I can see her. Just pass, she's pass she's by, pacing going, by. come on, <laughs> tell this fat guy to wrap she, it up here. Yeah, no, she, I appreciate she it. Like, she was like, what happened to maybe, maybe 33 for me? I know. Hey, you know <laughs> what? Tell her I owe her a big uh, a thank you and into you as well. And, and before I let you go. Muchas gracias, mi amor, por, por el tiempo de la entrevista. <laughs> thanks for being uh, thanks for being a good human being. Thank you for being no, a good you. father. And uh, at the very end of it, thanks for being an amazing wrestler. And this is why I so much enjoy this. If there's any possibility of a sit down uh, chit chat part two, would you ever be down for something like that? Yes, of course. Of course. Let me know, my friend. Anytime. I will. You have yourself a wonderful night and take care. We'll talk Thank to you down the road. Thank you, Thank you. All right, guys, that's Alberto Del Rio, an amazing individual who has transcended so many things in wrestling, and he's done so many great things and has been a champion. But, you know, we've said this before on, on this show, what makes these conversations? And, and I probably should say conversations because I try not to make it too interview-like because at the end of the day, these individuals have heard every single question that there could be asked. I try to keep it fun. I try to centralize it around family as well, and different fun stories and fun memories. And that's kind of what I like to do. But he's a great father who loves his kids. I loved hearing about, you know, his history between his father and how he was coming into the business and how his father wanted him to get his education and it, just everything. Just a really great conversation. I hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, Alberto was was so gracious with his time, and I know we uh, we usually talk before the interview, and we say, uh, "Hey, how much time do you want to go?" And and he told me he said, "As long as you want to go." And I cannot say thank you enough, guys. So support uh, Alberto Del Rio. Um, it's a great time. I really enjoyed it. I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Once again, please continue to follow the Front Row Material brand. You can follow us on the MLW Radio Network. You can find our podcast anywhere podcasts are made available. Our shows drop each and every day for Headlines, which is a daily podcast that tells you all the details and the headlines in the world of wrestling. And then the Front Row Material brand, which drops each and every Friday with interviews, the upcoming stars and established stars in the world of wrestling. With that being said, my name is Mike Freeland. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Front Row Material. The world of NLW Radio never stops.